Welcome to Today on Broadway for Thursday, December 14th, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. Grace, on Monday's show, I ran through this week's theatrical schedule, and I don't know if I was looking at the wrong month or something, but I got the opening night date wrong for Buena Vista Social Club at the Atlantic Theater Company. It originally said that it was opening on Sunday, the 17th. I think what I was thinking was the first preview was November 17th. It's actually opening tonight as we're recording, Wednesday, December 13th. So I wanted to fix that. So if you're looking for reviews for that, they should be out by the time you are hearing this if you're listening in the regular feed. If you're listening in the Patreon feed, as soon as it comes out, you'll probably have to wait a little bit longer. But if you want to head over to patreon.com slash broaderradio, broaderradio.com slash Patreon, you will get to hear every single episode that we have early, all of our special episodes. We're going to be doing um, a little bit of a marathon recording session this weekend. So if you are a Patreon subscriber at the mezzanine tier or above, and you have questions that you want to ask me and Grace at the end of the year, whether it's about the favorite things that we've seen this year, something that we're looking forward to next year, or just any question about theater at all, send us a message in Patreon. And we'll be doing that during the final week. So that'll be one of our special episodes. I will also be sending out a message on Patreon to make sure that everyone knows all about that. But Grace, let's get into the news. And we are starting with the new a news of a new movie to musical adaptation, which on its face seems crazy. It seems a little kooky. But as we've often said before, oftentimes the best musicals are the ideas that seem like they don't make sense. And at least when it comes to the director of this project, I don't know that you can come up with anybody better. But yesterday it was announced that the cult classic vampire movie The Lost Boys is being adapted into a stage musical. Now, this is not Peter Pan's Lost Boys. This is the uh, the iconic film that features Kiefer Sutherland and a bunch of other 80s heartthrobs. Tony winner Michael Arden is attached to direct the project, which is, I think, brilliant when you're trying to do something a little outside of the box. I think Michael Arden is perfect. It is going to feature a book by David Hornsby and Chris Hawk and music by the band The Rescues. I am not familiar with The Rescues at all. Um, it is a three-person band featuring Kyler England, Adrian Gonzalez, and Gabrielle Mann. They are from Southern California, which is where the film The Lost Boys is set. It's set in uh, Santa Clara. Mm -hmm. And it follows um, a gang of teenage rebel vampires and adolescent vampire hunters. Grace, I don't know that I've seen The Lost Boys in decades, but for some reason, do you have a connection? To I feel for some reason, I feel like you you have some sort of fondness yeah. for this. Am I completely wrong? <laughs> have we talked about this before? No, we've oh, never okay. talked about this. Okay, just, um, I just know I you so well. Yeah, you really do. Um, you know my brand of uh, real? That's me. Um, so I, yeah, I've been excited about this. I think it makes 100% sense. I think that what I do want to note two things. One they better not cut my favorite part of the film, which is at the top of the film, there is a shirtless saxophone player. That man is still in commission. <laughs> he toured with, I believe, Tina Turner. He's really, really famous for this very, very sensual uh, performance on the on the sax um, at this like state fair scene. I will try to find a YouTube link so that we can put it in the show notes. Um, it's absolutely iconic and absolutely riveting. So there's that. And then also, I think what we're seeing is a massive trend of indie rock group trios, duos, quartets, mm -hmm. what have you, doing the scores for these 
kind of adaptation shows. You've got The Outsiders. You've got, I would even include Ingrid Michaelson and The Notebook in this, The Lost mm-hmm. Boys. I think they're all in a very swept similar away. vein. Swept Away, Water for Elephants. And I'm curious about the fact that we do invest, because this is no slight to, this is very exciting for the the Lost Boys musical. Um, so, But the, I'm kind of pivoting from that just to say that like, I think it's interesting that we do invest and we do often speak on the fact that we are, where are the new composers? Where are they? And they're in school and they're getting some of these grants, but we're not hiring them for these adaptations. We're hiring an established music group. So what does that mean for the future of musical theater in terms of golden age sounds, or even like just modern sounds that don't have to do with an established rock band, the contemporary sound. I hope that every music, the point of, I guess, all of this, there's not one, um, is that I hope that the musical theater departments of universities are taking note and making sure that their students are better equipped to perform the music of Ani DeFranco, to perform the music of, you know, uh, Sarah Bareilles. Like, this is the vein. Like, there's, you don't need to have Cole Porter in your book as much anymore. Like, look at, look at what is currently in development. It does not match the systemic classic musical theater that you've been accustomed to. And I think that this is just case in point, like another one. So I think it's cool, but I just want to note that like, we are, we are seeing a massive complete shift. It's been happening. I'm not an idiot. I've done spring awakening. Like don't at me. Um, This has been (laughs) in the works for decades, but I do want to note that this is just par for the course. And I think that this is for me solidified that that is that trend is only on the up and up. And you're going to see more and more of these duos and these bands that you might have seen on the indie circuit or featured on a Grey's Anatomy soundtrack for season seven. They're going to be composing the musicals of the next 10 years. What's really interesting to me is I'm looking through the list of the new musicals going off of what you're talking about for this season. As I'm counting, and I'm just doing this off the top of my head. There is one, two three, four, four of the 14 are by musical theater writers. You've got the jukebox musicals like Back to the Future and Hell's Kitchen and Once Upon a One More Time uh, and The Heart of Rock and Roll. You've got the shows that were written by artists that were established as popular or indie bands like Here Lies Love, The Notebook, The Outsider's Water for Elephants. And then you've got and then I mean, I guess Harmony kind of might maybe splits the difference because that is very much a musical theater piece, although Barry Manilow is somebody who comes from popular music. And then the ones that have like musical theater scores are Days of Wine and Roses, How to Dance in Ohio, Limpica and Suffs. That's it. So four of the 14 are, are coming from what we would consider musical theater composers. Now, that is not to say that these other people can't write a musical theater score. They are obviously very talented in what they do, but that's not where they're coming from. So I think that very much speaks to your point, Grace. And I've been harping on this for years in terms of the conservatorization of the musical theater voices to where they polish down all of the rough and interesting edges from musical theater singers and actors to where they all sound the exact same. And you can plug and play any Michigan grad in for whatever role, because they are all trained to sound and look and sing the exact same way. And that does not benefit this type of thing. So I think you are very, very insightfully put. Um, So that's a great point. And I don't know anything about this band, The movie is wild, so I can only imagine what a Michael Arden-directed production will be. So who knows when this will come to the stage? Who knows what it will look like? Who will star in it? But it is certainly something to keep an eye on. 
All right. In other news, we had a number of show and casting things that I wanted to run through. Grace, a show that we've talked about quite a bit here. Max Wolf Friedlich's play Job will return for a return engagement off-Broadway in the new year after it had played at the Soho Playhouse in September. It will return off-Broadway to the Connolly Theater, a place you know pretty well, uh, starting on January 19th, and it will run through March 3rd. It will again star Peter Friedman and Sidney Lemon. Grace, you interviewed Max here on Broadway Radio. You've talked about the show a little bit. I did not get a chance to see it, so I'm really, really excited to potentially have another opportunity to check this out. Uh, off-Broadway at the Connolly Theater. Anything you want to remind people about when it comes to job if they didn't see it the first time around? Well, let's put it this way. Um, Thanks to the press room, I did get to have an excellent um, conversation with Max, the playwright. Uh, This morning, I signed up immediately for tickets for January. I have already seen it. I've already talked to him. I want to bring more people to it. And I sent the link out to everyone in my contacts that I know that had expressed interest after it was sold out. If that's not an endorsement, I don't know what is. (laughs) Um, It's excellent. And I love the Connolly and everybody should go down there and um, eat really good Korean food because the whole area has excellent food. Very good. All right. So we briefly mentioned Water for Elephants in our previous conversation. Yesterday, the entire cast for the upcoming Broadway premiere of the show was announced. We already know the stars of that show. Isabel McCullough is returning from the out-of-town trial that happened in Atlanta. She is being joined by Grant Gustin. Also in the cast are Greg Edelman, Paul Alexander Nolan, Stan Brown, Joe DePaul, Sarah Gettlefinger, and Wade McCollum. Now they announced the ensemble, and pretty much all of them, except for four people, were in the Alliance out-of-town world premiere. So if you want to look through all of those uh, cast members, you can do it in the show notes. But this is one that will begin performances at the Imperial Theater on February 24th. Another one that is very exciting and Speaking of Michael Arden, because we've already talked about him once, I'm interested to see how this does across the country because the recent Tony winning revival of Parade is going to go out on a national tour starting in January of 2025. So basically 13 months from now, it'll begin performances at the Orpheum Theater in Minneapolis. The rest of the dates and locations and casting will be announced. They're actually going to do their tech rehearsals and public preview performances in Schenectady, which, as we've talked about many times over the years, is a great place to do that because of all of the tax breaks that New York gives. So, you know, who knows what happens a year, what's going on in the world a year from now. But having this story be playing across the country anytime in the near future, Grace, I think is well-timed for the message. It does make me a little nervous for the cast and and company of that show, to be completely honest with you. But uh, fingers crossed that things get better in the next 13 months across the country. But this, I've talked about how much I love this production and uh, I'm excited to potentially get a chance to see it again on tour. And for many, many, many more people have the opportunity to experience this production of Parade. All I want to say is when you are on tour, it is a different beast than being on Broadway mm-hmm. on tour. Sometimes it can feel like a free for all. This is not a note to any one thing, um, but I hope that there are increased security measures for this group. Um, yeah. That's all I want to say. All right. One more show and casting thing that I want to talk about. Titanic, honestly, one of the best shows in New York uh, right now is going to welcome in a new star and a returning star. We found out that Nathan Lee Graham, star of stage and screen, will take over the role of Ruth beginning on January 11th. He will play that part through February 25th. 
Also rejoining the cast will be original company member Frankie J. Grande. He will return to the role of Victor Garber for just about a five-week run from January 13th through February 18th. I saw back when it was still playing at the Asylum, when I saw Titanic the first time, Frankie was still in the show and he was phenomenal as Victor Garber, which is one of the best jokes in the entire show. It is now playing at the Daryl Roth Theater, an absolutely great show. If you still have not seen it, somehow I could not recommend you uh, checking it out now or after these two stars join the show in early to mid-January. Yeah, Titanic, stop hurting my credit score. This is absurd. <laughs> the cast is so good. So so I, <laughs> I had, uh, I went to brunch and then went to see Appropriate with a friend of mine who is obsessed with Titanic. She has seen it, I believe, nine times now. And I was asking her, so what do you think of like the different casts and everything? And she said, obviously, Marla as the original Celine is iconic, Marla Mandel. But she, she said, Jackie Burns, is has such an amazing voice. She sounds even more like Celine, the current who's currently playing her. Said so she's amazing. Lindsay Heather Pierce, currently playing Rose, is phenomenal. And I've seen her. I didn't see Jackie. I saw an understudy when I went the second time. So the cast overall is just fantastic. So please, please go see it. I'm not getting paid by Titanic, but I would would love for them to throw tickets at me for their awesome five o'clock performance on weekends. All right, Grace, this is an interesting story, and I want to get your industry insider perspective on this. But yesterday, Today Ticks announced what they are calling the all-you-can-seat theater package. Now, this is specifically for West End Theater. So this is not for Broadway, not for New York, so please don't get that confused. But they are selling 10 all-you-can-seat packages to theatergoers in the UK for a total of £10,000 with currency exchange that comes up to 12,524 American dollars. What this does is this allows you to get premium level tickets. As far as I can tell, I went through the Q&A or like the uh, frequently asked questions. It be- I believe it's just one ticket. It does not say multiple tickets. It it, it just says tickets. So I'm not 100% sure if this is like you can get two or just one, but I believe it is just one. Nonetheless, you can book premium level tickets to every West End show in the 2024 season. And that also includes a special Today Takes personal concierge that will help you with booking. The only caveats are that you can't go on bank holiday weekends, which is like long holiday weekends here would be like the equivalent of like Memorial Day, Labor Day, things like that. Pass holders can only see each show once and can only see two during any given week. If you don't use it all, you don't get any money back, obviously. You also do get exchanges and refunds in case a star is out with less than 24 hours notice. So there are some benefits to that as well. So again, only selling 10 of them. If you want to purchase this, maybe they still have them. Maybe they've already sold out. I don't know. You can email allyoucanseat at todaytix.com. So I did some number crunching here, Grace. There are 39 official West End theaters. So... Uh, effectively the exact same number as Broadway. However, they do their seasons are a little different. They run seasons, uh, uh, shows a little shorter times. I'm not 100% sure how many shows that takes out in, uh, in the course of a season. I know the Olivier's had 98 theatrical productions eligible last year, but they include more than just West End. They also include um, a lot of other things that are not considered West End theaters. So I'm not sure how that breaks down, but it is fairly comparable, at least in terms of number of theaters. 
for this season, which I did twenty the 2023-2024 Broadway season, they're just doing 2024 as a whole, but I think it's still probably close enough. If we were to do this for Broadway, there are 36 new shows in the 23-24 season and 17 returning shows, so a total of 53 shows. If the price stayed the same and it is just for one ticket per person, that would come out to $236.30 per ticket. Now, again, these are premium seats, so that's probably fairly close in line to what you would be able to do. I don't know that there's a ton of benefit to that if that is the case. If it is just one ticket, and I'm again, I'm scrolling through the frequently asked questions. There's not, it is not saying a pair of tickets. It's not saying multiple tickets. But if that's the case, like I don't know that that's worth it because I think you can probably get better deals for what are essentially premium tickets on your own. Although the convenience perhaps makes it a little bit easier and it makes it a little bit more worthwhile. What are your thoughts on whether or not this would be possible or people would even want to do this on Broadway? Maybe not at this price point, but just something similar, um, even if it's just orchestra seats and not premium seats. Like I could see a lot of people, a lot of people we know and are friends with would want to do this, but I'm not sure that $236.30 per ticket is something that people are going to want to want to do. Yeah, I think that I see this two ways. One is that, in my opinion, if these are single tickets, that one person can do this at a time and you're not buying a package for a pair of seats, most of the people that that I've you know polled or know, if they are buying a single ticket, those people are looking for discounted deals like Rush. If they are going together, those are the people that are premium ticket buyers in a pair. So for me, I, I don't, I don't believe that. And I also don't believe a, a deal could be executed on Broadway knowing the four right. theater owner companies working together logistically with different ticketing services. It's totally different. But I, I think it's great that there is initiative in place. So I'm not trying to poo-poo it. I just mean like my understanding of ticket buyers that buy on that scale, buy for groups or buy for a pair. They're taking someone they know or love and then the single ticket buyers are usually one off fly by the seat of your pants while I'm in town. I'm going to rush these three shows um, yep. They're And they're normally at the lower level. So I, I agree. It's, it's just interesting. I'm curious to see how it goes and good for them for trying this. I mean, we're always asking for innovative ways for people to see Broadway shows at some level of complete package and it's, it can't happen often. So congrats to them for executing this and we'll see how it goes. Yeah, it, it's very interesting to me that they didn't do it as a pair of tickets because here I'm just going to read from the Today Takes website. It says we are offering 10 individual passes, each priced at 10,000 pounds. So I saying individual passes, that seems to me like they are saying it's one ticket. To me, I think you could probably get a much better interest level and they're only selling 10. So I'm still though sure they'll still sell out. But like if they were selling 10 pairs of tickets, I think that would have a much better chance of happening. It's still super expensive. So I think like to make something like this happen on a larger scale, you would have to find a way to lower the prices. And even in New York, like you said, it, it is such a different ticketing animal in New York than it is in London. But I think it's a great thing to try and to see if it makes sense. And if it is successful this season, maybe they figure out a way to do it, you know, a different way in the future so that more people can can do it. But I think it is a very, very interesting idea. And I'm not mad at them for trying. All right, real quick, I want to wrap up with a feel good recommendation that is over 20 years in the making because the one and only two time Tony winner, Norbert Leo Butts, 
is finally singing Defying Gravity. I don't know if this was a party for friends and family, but there is a TikTok of him doing it at a house in front of some folks singing Defying Gravity. He climbs up some stairs during the uh, So If You Care to Find Me part. It's wonderful. We need more Norbert singing the female songs in shows that he originated. So I I love this. Check it out in the show notes if you want. And uh, he needs to do that at his next concert for sure. All right, everybody, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can follow me pretty much anywhere at BWW. Matt, Grace, where can people find you? They can find me at It's Grace Aki. All right, everybody, have a wonderful Thursday, and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow.